Welcome to Talk on the Way, where we have conversations of faith, life, and being better humans. Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talk on the Way where we have conversations on the journey of faith, life, and being better humans. Um, this is Sergi Kotrovsky, your host speaking, and Ward, today he's the co-host, I guess. I mean, I guess whoever does the intro is the main host, eh? Yeah, we can go with that. That works for me. Whatever. You know, who, what does it really matter? Who cares? We're just having conversations. Why does it have to be so formal? Sorry, I'm going to be like sniffing, sniffling, like making weird noises because my allergies are absolutely bonkers. Uh, I guess the pollen count is high in Washington right now. We're about to hit warmer temps. And by warmer, I mean like 55 degrees, 50. That's crazy. So uh, this week, it chilled down a little bit, like part of the week over here Mm. in Florida. And by chilled down, I mean, over the weekend, I actually had to drip my faucet at one point because there was a chance of freezing. But for the Yeah, yeah. That's wild. But for the most part, 50s and 60s. And so like tonight when we finish, I'm going to sit outside, have a cigar, and I'll probably be in long pants and long sleeves. Yes, long pants problem. versus short pants. Exactly. It's a but, good distinction. Yeah, but it's still going to be like, like low 60s, I think. So technically, it's not board short weather yet, and you can't go out and surf without a wetsuit. It is not board short weather yet. Oh, I could go out and surf in a wetsuit right now. but oh, I can't. Well, Yeah, in one, yeah. not without. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to have one for sure right now. Uh, though, I mean, two weeks ago, I was sitting – at the beach watching some people surf during the day Mm -hmm. and I was in shorts and I took my shirt off because it was warm enough, but it, cause it got in the low eighties those days. It's been nuts. It's been back and forth. That's nice. Yeah. It's been back and forth here in Florida. Yeah. We, I don't know. We're still pretty chilly about out here. I mean, there's no snow. Usually there's like a spring snow, but that hasn't happened. I doubt it'll happen in April. I mean, with my allergies and everything, it seems like things are going to be warming up. So, yep, yep, yep. It's very interesting. But yeah, totally. Um, so, what's new? What's happening? Well, for me, I had my first physical therapy appointment today because basically, at the first of the year, I, I honestly can't remember if we talked about this on mm. the first episode or not at all. But, anyways, at the first of the year, I was having pain in my shoulder, went to an orthopedic because my arm felt weaker. Uh, They thought the orthopedic I saw thought it was a pretty common thing with a muscle. It's called the rhomboid, I believe. Uh, But Mm -hmm. the the muscle that connects like your spine to your like shoulder or whatever, that area can get like really sore or really tight or whatnot. That's what he thought it was. Uh, So I did stretches and stuff for three weeks and went back to see him. And I'm like, no, it's still my whole arm hurts. And he tested my strength. He's like, ooh, you're weaker. Long story short, I have been bouncing around having tests done since like mid-January because I have 
two herniated discs in my neck. Wow. Yes. That's wild. And the reason my arm, so basically right now my right, I'm right-handed by the way, my right forearm and my right tricep are extremely atrophied. So they don't, there's almost no resistance, almost no strength from them at all. Wow. Uh, so there's some things I can do. I still have full range of motion, which is really good. Yeah. My hand, they think my grip may be a tiny bit weaker, but my hand's not tingling or anything. So uh, I can still use my arm. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of things, you wouldn't be able to tell anything was wrong. But then there's certain things that require like the forearm or really, especially the tricep that I have trouble with uh, because those aren't really there. So Dang. there's a good chance I'll have to have what's a disc replacement surgery. I'm young enough and I'm in good enough health that the recovery from that should be pretty mild. It's not the same as if you were to fuse vertebrae. Mm -hmm. Uh, fusion, uh, usually is, or it's a lot more often to cause further problems down the road. And the doctor said that I met with the the surgeon said, don't want to do that. And I do think you'll recover fine, but let's try physical therapy first. So in the past week and a half to two weeks, my pain has gone away pretty well completely. Oh, that's good. Right. So the physical therapist that I met with today feels like there's a good chance that we can get my strength back and avoid surgery. It just all depends on how much we can get within that window. Cause there is a window I've been dealing with this for almost three months and there's a window of after six months, it could be, it's likely to become permanent. So I got roughly three months to either show that I'm building my strength back substantially or let's go ahead and have the surgery because the, the herniated disc is pressing on a nerve uh-huh. that fuels the muscles. So they uh-huh. are not getting their fuel to survive is the way orthopedic explained it. So it's uh-huh. not fun. It's also no. why it's also why I've been at the beach and just watched people surfing because I right. can't surf right now. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. And how did, did all this just catch you off guard or yes. did you, Yeah. Completely. I had, I woke up one day and my shoulder was really hurting and it continued to really hurt. And then one day I picked up my backpack like I regularly do. And it was a little heavier than normal. So Dang, that's when I got worried. Wild. Yeah, that was, that caught me off guard. That's what had me concerned. And basically since like mid January, I would say, and I feel like the doctors would agree, I've lost strength very quickly. So. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, but, it feels so out of control and like you can't really do anything. Yeah, I yeah. haven't had neck pain. It was just the arm mm-hmm. pain. Shoulder and the whole arm would hurt, like ache. And uh, one of the worst positions was while driving. Just that position wow. of your arm. I just had to, con- while driving, I would have to constantly move my right arm and like hang it off the like passenger seat beside me, move it back. Da, da, da. And that was about when it hurt really bad. That was about the only thing that helped was just constant movement. Yeah. But the physical therapist says, because my pain is pretty much gone, that's a good sign that the herniated disc is no longer putting so much pressure or maybe not putting any pressure wow. on the nerve. 
And okay. so she she thinks there's a good, very good chance that we can start building the muscle back. My thing is that's good news. Yeah, that's very good news. My main thing is I got roughly three months left if I'm understanding everything correctly. And I want I want to know what I need to do to get back to where I was. I do not want to end up when all this is said and done, only having like 70% strength. Yes, that would be awful. Man, if that would have happened to me, I would have been screwed, done did, because I wouldn't be able to work at all because I work so much with my hands and especially like coffee stuff. Like, It's really not that bad. Like I, you see me right now. Yeah. I, I'm doing everything. I think you would be okay. If there was a really heavy box. But what about not- like tamping? Like I have to tamp my espresso, like 30 pounds of pressure. Or I've been able to do it. Or maybe uh, okay. you would have to try it with your left hand instead of your right. Yeah. But yeah. I do That's think scary. You, I do think you would be okay. Yeah. Cause I yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff I can still do. Yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that you recover and you don't have to do surgery. Thank that you. Would suck. Yes, it yeah. would suck. Totally. Yeah. So thank you for that. Anyways. Yeah, for sure. That's the long rant about me and my health mm-hmm. problems. Uh, things are looking up, though. So how about you? There have been... Uh, first off, I want to pick on you. <laughs> of course. Not La- surprised. So you and the lovely... Well, first off, congratulations, because you mm-hmm. and the lovely Deja have been married for three years this Correcto. week. Yep. That's awesome. And we were supposed to record earlier in the week, and you texted me the day of and said, today is our anniversary, and I scheduled to record. Like We got to reschedule. Yeah. And my first thought was, I'm pretty sure last year when we were trying to get all this going, you scheduled on your anniversary. I could, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that happened no, last you, year, too. I probably pulled something off like that. Like, <laughs> Not that I'm like forgetful. It's just... I feel like it's two different worlds for me. It's like, oh, yeah, I have Tuesdays free all the time, usually. So I'm going to put that extra, like, curriculum stuff on Tuesdays, and we'll just record. And then, yeah, personal life is, of course, in another category for me. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, shoot. It's it's almost like if you look at iCal, like, you have all of those calendars on your sidebar, Yes. And everyone's a different color. And I feel like my personal life is on another color. And if I don't click all calendars, I mix everything up. And I, that's basically what happened. I totally understand. I hope she wasn't too mean to you. I mean. I don't know. I don't even know if I if I told her. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. I mean. Because I was like, well, I'll just tell Ward. And we'll rearrange really quick. So. Yeah, we, we had plans. We were supposed to go to Seattle and kind of hit up a couple of bars and go out to eat in a good place. But it was just a little complicated. One, again, like we have a one-year-old now, or she's about to be one. So that means we need to find a sitter overnight, pay them, and then find an Airbnb. I mean, everything just gets like super pricey. Right. Um, not not to say that we couldn't have pulled it off. It was just a matter of like, God, do we want to pull this off when we have some decent spots in Bellingham that we wanted to try uh, when it comes to food 
and hangs and then go out and get a couple of drinks. So we were like, you know what? We're going to chill in Bellingham this time around. It was fine. Nice. It was great. Nice. Definitely I, different than going into Seattle. I saw pictures and mm-hmm. it looked like a very nice dinner. Yeah. It was a very nice restaurant. It's called the Oyster Bar. It's off of Chuckanut Drive, which up here, it's just a beautiful scenic drive where you basically go along the coast and there's like a lot of cliffs, major like ocean vibes, like little islands out in the distance. Uh, that's it's cool. amazing. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so did you have oysters? I love oysters. Uh, I hate oysters. I I, just I don't know how I did have two. Friends. I had two. Uh, and they were okay. Kind of how weird. Did, texture. How did I not know? Oh, yes. Yes. They are a weird texture. <laughs> how did it's I like, not know this? I don't know. It's like snot, dude. It's like snot it, in a shell. It is. I love them. Uh, I love raw oysters. I uh, did Deja have oysters? She did. Yeah. I mean, I tried them. I, they're just not my favorite food. You know, it's fun. I, I, tried it basically for deja because she always says oh you got to try them you got to try them and i'm i know i'm gonna hate it but i still do it it's not bad it has like it's not the flavor like i enjoyed the flavor i enjoy how it like really intensely tastes like seafood it's the texture that gets me you know yeah i guess i just because there's certain things that texture will get me as well but maybe it's just because i grew up with them so yeah. I started so young, maybe that it's never bothered me. But yeah, I love them. Yeah, like when I even when I eat yogurt, I don't use my lips when I touch the spoon. I use my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I hate it's weird. That, that. Deja that. hates that. I uh, like scrape my teeth on uh, the I spoon. I hate that. I hate that because but I can't. Like, but you like ice cream? Yeah, I I love ice cream. I'm down for ice cream. For Those sure. are very similar. Uh, so not not oysters but ice cream and yogurt to me are very similar textures i I, I guess i mean i guess the temperature also plays a role in your tactile experience i don't know yeah it's whatever probably but it was nice um what else uh um i recently went to new york so that was fun i want to hear about this New York was dope. I went to a coffee competition. It was the World Latte Art Championship. Uh, Place top 16. So that's, that's a very nice place. In the yeah. world. In I the guess. world. Yeah. That's very cool. That's I hate saying cool. world because like there was not as much representation as I wanted. And it takes uh, like okay. you have to have enough money to fly into New York to compete. Like, you know what I mean? It's one of those. Plus, it was one of the first events that – New York was loosening a lot of their mandates when it comes to COVID. Gotcha. Um, so there was a lot of like controversy around it, like whether, because what happened is in the beginning of the event, they required uh, vaccinations and masking. And then a week before the event, they pulled it because New York city pulled it, hmm. um, the requirement. Uh, and that, so, seems, that seems I mean, understandable to me that they would pull it once the city did, but, that also seems last minute. Yeah. Like I, I know folks, great folks who are, you know, anti-vax and they don't right. come, you know, which sucks, sucks for them, but right. I get it. So I don't know. It's hard to call it like, oh, you know, I placed top 16 in the world. I guess that's factually true. That's like, because out of the folks that showed up, I placed top 16, but 
I know that there's a lot of folks in the world who are just amazing at latte art and they would have definitely beat me. And like all competitions, you know, it's a bracket. So there is a degree of luck. Um, I was uh, seated pretty high, actually. I was seated six. So I was in the top of the bracket, meaning I didn't have such a hard road to get to top 16. So when I did lose, I lost to the winner of the whole championship. Nah. So, yeah. yeah. So basically you came in second place. Oh. Nah. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. But that's New York. Still, and, that's yeah. Cool. It was super cool. And uh, on top of that, it was my first time in New York. I've never been. So yeah, I've never um, been. Love the city. It was fun. Did the classic ate pizza. You know what I mean? And went to uh, Death and Company or Dead and Company. I keep mixing it up. But it's a very famous bar. Um, went to Please Don't Tell, another famous bar. So I went to all those like cool hip places. It was super cool. That sounds cool. I have never heard of either of those bars, but that sounds cool. Dead and Company sounds like a music or like rock bar kind of. I don't know yeah, if it is, but that's not what it sounds a, yeah, like. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, that's why I think I mix up the name because it always reminds me of uh, the dead and company like with John Mayer, you know what I mean? And I'm like, wait, is it death or the dead and company? But, um, uh, it's cool. yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like fun. And yeah. even though you downplay it, that's pretty awesome that you did that. Well. Thank you. So for sure. I'm stoked on it. I'll be back. I'll be back in New York for next year's competition. And hopefully I'll be competing again in Seattle in the fall so i'm stoked on it nice. competition is my jam you know nice yeah it's a whole crazy world one day we'll have a episode in episode correct grammar award one day we will have an episode and you can just kind of dive into all the coffee stuff basically we can have almost like a crossover between uh talk on the way and mirror coffee roasters warm-up session yeah, yeah that'd be cool mirror coffee roasters with your brother mark yeah that would so, be sick but, all right yeah that's that's kind of what's happening like on a personal level mm -hmm. other than that i mean i'm russian and there's a lot happening <laughs> yeah that's a good segue that is hey. a good segue so this i i know obviously this has already been on your mind and mm -hmm. You know, I had the idea, messaged you, like, why don't our next episode, which this is only episode two, mm -hmm. uh, so it's a bit of a heavy, hard topic, but I had the idea of, like, you know, with everything going on with Russia and Ukraine and the world, how it all fits in, yeah. I don't know a lot. I know where I side. I know my opinions on it. Right. But you are Russian. You yeah. and your family left Russia. And so I just feel like you probably have a very important perspective that people Thank need you. to hear. Um, the cool thing was when I messaged you with the idea, you had said something about you had just talked with your church or some some people at your church mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot has happened, obviously, since um, Russia invaded Ukraine, like, Mm -hmm. a lot in my personal life i've had some like strange and also very good conversations with um yeah my pastor my boss my mom and for the most part i would say like everything has been positive I, the good 
the awesome things, a lot of my friends, like everyone reached out almost immediately and showed like a lot of support knowing that I'm Russian, which, you know, that's, that's very like the whole Russian hate thing. Like it was kind of on people's minds and folks right. were being very, very nice about like reaching out and be like, Hey, we know you, we support you. Like this doesn't change how we see you, even though we don't support what Russia is doing, which was right. awesome. Uh even like my employer, my boss, he was like, it was intense. I've never seen such leadership come from a company where he immediately reached out and was like, hey, do you need time? Like, what do you need? Are you processing this information? How is your family processing this info? Um, what can I do to help you like feel safer and feel like supported throughout this time? Um, and basically ended up uh, him and I, we came together and wrote a document for the company in how to serve our uh, Eastern European brothers and sisters better. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. Because I know, and maybe we'll get into some of this, but you, when you and your family, when you were young, moved to Pacific Northwest and to Washington, there was a lot of Russian. So is there still a lot of Russian and Eastern European yeah. there? There are. So that makes yeah. a lot of sense, you know, because you're, you're going to have a lot of customers that are dealing with this in a much different way than a lot like the average American like me. Yeah. And we'll get into it, but mm-hmm. even the Slavic community is pretty torn about what's going on. Like gotcha. not everyone's on the same page. Okay. But within that also, my pastor reached out. He was out of town and he's like, yo, um, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And then we processed a little and he was like, you should lead prayer on Sunday morning for the whole church. So yeah, I got the opportunity to do that. And that was uh, that was awesome for me. Like I felt like very supported by that and very honored by that. But um, the spooky thing is I led the church to pray for Putin and that's always hard. It's like to pray. Usually we think about praying for the victims and, you know, supporting the victims. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm saying like, it is so powerful to pray for your enemies. And right now Putin tends to be the common enemy. So to pray for Putin is like, it's what a pacifist like me tends to want to do immediately, you know, right. it's, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. And being um, also like anti-war, like I'm, I'm just like, I, I don't know of anything that can change Putin's mind other than like God in that, you know, right. super anchored in my faith and belief system. But I'm like, what's, what's going to happen? We have two options. We either pray that Putin would experience the presence of God and just feel deeply loved and change his mind on what he's doing and see how destructive it is and how anti-life it is. Or we, you know, hire an assassin or blow him up. Like those, in my mind, those are like the two options. Like, right. and I'm like, I'm going to choose the path of love. So leading the church in a prayer of love and peace and, you know, praying for the victims and praying for the oppressor. And it's, yeah, it's intense, but it was good. I was honored to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know like in my personal prayer life, I've been praying and I definitely pray for both, but in my humanity, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, we've had conversations. I am not as fully passive as you are, but 
I'm definitely more passive than when you and I were first friends. And so I will say, I, that is the right path, I believe. But on the flip side, if there was a covert mission and we found out that like secret service or the Mossad, I don't know, I'm throwing out names yeah. going to get us flagged by the government. Basically what I'm <laughs> saying is if there was a covert secret mission and we found out that he had been taken out. Part of me is like, the world will be in a much better place. Yeah. And that may not even be true. Who knows what kind of backlash that would cause. Yeah. But that's, you know, kind of where yeah. I am right now. But I've yeah. definitely prayed it, it, for both. Yeah, for sure. And that also like really, you know, depends on who you ask, like, because even right now, the Chinese government is like, finally took a stance on being like, pro Putin. And right. like, really, they're not, uh, from what I, how I understood it on NPR this morning was that they're not fully embracing the war. But they are saying that, you know, it, this is a position that the west is taking against um russia so they're right. definitely siding with russia more which which is in in that kind of scope it's terrifying for the world you know when you have the uh, two major powers coming together to to a degree support themselves because right when everything just went off right away people were also saying like wait will um china invade taiwan and will China like take over Taiwan because it's a similar, not the same, but similar situation right. between um, Russia and Ukraine. So, mm -hmm. so with that, why don't we just explain to everyone? Because I'm sure a lot of us, myself included, believe we have a, a, a good, or maybe we even think we fully understand what all's going on. But I guarantee you understand better. So just explain to us like what's happening. You know, it, it started what, like two weeks ago now, three weeks, yeah. right after the Olympics, yeah. basically. Right. Which right. had been called. Some people had said after the Olympics, we're afraid this will happen, but what is, what did Russia do and are doing? So just lay it yeah. out for us. Um, well, basically what we need to remember is that this didn't start this year. This has been going on, um, right? For what sure. What is it since 2014? And then the annexation of Crimea was a big part of that. So this kind of uh, like militaristic and authoritarian advance by Putin has been like on his mind. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not a new idea. Um, so that's. I would say that's kind of like the the ground for the situation is understanding that. And um, also, like, understanding the fact that not everything that Putin does is supported by all of Russians, because right now what's happening, there's also a big uh, exodus of Russians out of Russia because they don't agree with what's going on. So we have to understand that is that not all Russians agree with Putin and therefore Putin doesn't represent all Russians. Right. And also we have to understand the complexity of the situation. And that's where I, I can get very personal because my mom is Ukrainian. 
My dad mm-hmm. is Russian. I was born in Estonia. Right. Um, so for reference, it's like the, it's like the, I don't know. I mean, it's like a Trinity here because Estonia is part of NATO. So Estonia is like very uh, like anti-Soviet advance and anti uh, just communist rule. And then Ukraine, my mom is from Southern Ukraine, from Donetsk. And then my dad is from Southern Russia and very has a strong Russian background. So there's so many elements at play, even within my personal life right now, is I definitely lean towards the idea that uh, we, we have to do something about making sure that Russia doesn't return back to its Soviet uh, regime style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like definitely side with Ukraine and the victims and don't want to see that country divorced and don't want to see, or did, what did I say? Destroyed. That's what I meant to say. Divorced. Uh, I divorced. The, I was like, you said divorced. That country, yeah, yeah. That country destroyed. Um, and I wanted to remain sovereign, you know, so I don't think that it's okay for a leader to step in and do that. And the history behind that goes one back to 2014 when there was like a conflict, kind of the beginning of a new conflict. But it also goes way before that. It goes into like understanding the Cold War and what happened there, which I'll say right now, I'm no expert on the Cold War, and mm-hmm. I'm not speaking as an expert. I'm basically speaking as someone who was born during the Cold War, heard the stories of my parents, and lived out of the Cold War. Um, so this is a very personal perspective. I'm, this is not a fully like educated, like, you know, I'm not. I'm no professor to teach Cold War history here. Uh, but what I do know is the fact that. During the Cold War, uh, and in the towards the end of Soviet um, the Soviet regime, Putin was already in power to a degree. He was part of the KGB, which right. I think is everybody is aware of that. But what happens is when um, Gorbachev and when the Soviet regime breaks breaks down, the the wall falls, and you know. The classic Reagan speech is uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down, tear wall. down this wall. Yeah, we That's, know that. So yeah. that was an iconic time. Um, but the funny thing, if you think about it, like that was a decent amount of time ago that majority of or not majority, but a lot of adults today don't have that frame of reference because True. it's been, you know, close to I, I think younger millennials did not experience the cold war, nor do they really fully grasp the history of that, especially if you were born and raised in the United States. Right. I mean, I'm 30, I'm 39. And other than pop culture. Yeah. And like knowing that's that little bit of that speech, I would say I didn't experience it at all. Yeah. So, I mean, we, my family, like, experienced it hard. It's like moving to the United States right after the Cold War was weird because it's not like everyone's mind automatically changed and, like, you know, Russians are your best friends. (laughs) They were still, like, frowned upon as, like, 
uh, are these spies? Like, who are these folks? You know what I mean? The classic, the thought behind, like, uh, similar to what happened during September 11th, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, if you're a Muslim or if you're from the Middle East, you must be a terrorist kind of thing. So that's kind of right. a similar aspect of what we experienced when we moved from Russia to the United States. Um, so Another thing about that, this whole conflict is the church I grew up in was and is a Slavic church. And Slavic basically means a uh, majority of folks who root or align with a version of Russian culture. Um, it doesn't exclusively mean that everybody's Russian, but all of the Eastern European nations have Russian influence. Like I was born in Estonia, but I don't know anything about quote unquote, like the Estonian culture or the language, because during the Soviet Union, that country was culturally predominantly Russian. Ukraine was very similar. I asked my mom, I was like, mom, do you know the history of Ukraine and um, what makes Ukraine sovereign and what makes Ukraine Ukraine, even like culturally, not talking about its borders? Um, she even was like, well, the language is rooted in basically it's a cross between Russian and Polish. Hmm. Um, so it's not even like, it's not even its own language to a degree. Majority of Ukrainians speak Russian, uh, but not majority of Russians don't speak Ukrainian. Uh, so there's that. And then culturally there's of course still some uniqueness because it's a different, you know, different style of, life um different the food is even the same i would say but still different nuances so there's a little bit of difference but not enough difference so our church was very like integrated with a lot of eastern european countries even like the belarusians you know moldovians um you know latvians estonians uh, so that there was a lot of mix of that and right. Everybody aligned as Russians for the most part. So there was a small debacle at one point where um, the speakers, because the way the Russian church functions is it has three main speakers during a service and services are long. When someone started speaking in Ukrainian instead of Russian behind the pulpit, that became an issue. Uh, one, because most Russians, like I said, don't speak Ukrainian. Right. But also because everyone was like, well, we're a Russian church. So there's that kind of complication right there is like, oh, we have people from different countries, but we are Russian. Gotcha. So there's it's it's not a clean cut. Mm -hmm. So th there was always conflict, even within the church, about what should happen, who should, you know, should we primary speak Russian or Ukrainian? Gotcha. Um, so on a small degree, I was used to that concept. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which we, a lot of us as Americans would have a hard time grasping. Uh, right. Real quick. What is the church? Is it Russian Orthodox or what is it? Uh, it's a Protestant church with like a mix of theology. Okay. Yeah. But I, it, I mean, they would align with maybe some kind of Pentecostal beliefs, but then there's a, like a crossover of like Baptist. Uh, gotcha. I don't think they have a doctrine of beliefs for the gotcha. most part. But yeah. even even something like that, there was still that, you know, like we may be more modern or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But there was still that 
that bleed that idea culturally of yeah we're from these different places but oh we're russian for a lot of people it sounds like right yeah so to a degree there is that um i don't i hate to say it this way but there is that degree of russian dominance like no matter what like you align to russia because russia is kind of like bigger and better kind of thing um so the mindset really sets in um my mom like i personally have never heard my mom call herself ukrainian you know, she's always referred to herself as Russian. So when this happened, I had a conversation with my mom and asking her opinion. And to be honest, she couldn't stand and say she was like anti the war, even though she herself said that we have relatives south of Kiev who can't and won't leave the country right now who are going through the war on the ground right there. But yet she wasn't able to basically say, oh, this is wrong and this needs to stop. The conversation always shifted to, oh, this is the West. The West is pushing on Russia and the West is causing this. The West is instigating all of these issues. Therefore, Russia is reacting. So very, very strange perspective, very strange dialogue to have um, because at some point, like, I'm like, wait, does Russia just do no wrong? Like, you know what I mean? It's super weird. Right. It's, it almost sounds similar to that whole, like, like kind of like Christian nationalism or that patriotic American view where Uh, like, we're always right type of deal, you know, that, that can seem scary. Cause from my point of view, I'm like, how can your mom think what, how can your mom not say, Putin's invading this country and this is terrible, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I mean, last night I asked my mom, I was like, uh, wait, do you think there's a war going on? She's like, well, yeah, of course there's a war. Like no one's saying there's not a war. And I'm like, well, how can you say it's okay then? Like, you know what I mean? Like she's like, well, they're over dramatizing things. Like, classic like fake news and like all of these elements of and i i said like a lot of these things that you're sharing is basically QAnon, and i'm like this is just conspiracy theory stuff like you know what i mean i'm like i don't know this doesn't really have no physical evidence to me looking at the situation apart from china recently coming out and not um making a firm like anti kind of war and anti-russia um conversation or even saying anything about it apart from that no one's supported putin this whole time like i i mean uh, maybe i'm ignorant of it maybe i haven't heard something but i have not heard of any other nation standing by russia and putin and saying like hey this whatever's going on here actually is justifiable to invade this country right yes right it doesn't make sense I haven't heard of any other allies. I, I've heard, you know, just people talking and similar kind of things you've said, like this idea of Putin basic. So like basically the way it's been painted from me, conversations and listening to things is Putin wants to basically reform the USSR. Yes. And yeah. And the reason he wants to do that is not a lot of folks know is when he was growing up, when he was raised, he basically saw Brezhnev, he was the Soviet leader, 
as a leader. So in my mind is Brezhnev's tactics, his rule, his authority was something that would have inspired someone wanting to be a world leader. Mm-hmm. So if and if you know a little bit about Brezhnev and Brezhnev's doctrine, he created a doctrine that said if anyone stands against the Soviet Union, they must be stopped. Like it gotcha. was, it, it's literally there's a, literally something called the Brezhnev doctrine that I think is should be. I haven't heard much talk about it. It should be our conversation right now in understanding why Putin is doing what he's doing. Is that doctrine? Because in my opinion, that was what influenced him in the early uh, days, and that is what inspires him to be a leader. I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, mm-hmm. but that, that's what I see happening is because Brezhnev's kind of motivation was to make sure Russia was as close to the Stalin or the Soviet Union was as close to Stalin's version of the regime. And that's that's literally what I see Putin doing is he's trying to bring back um, Soviet era rule and especially a version of the Soviet Union that looks like Stalin. So basically, the, from again, my limited understanding, because I, I feel like I'm tracking with you and all of that and that mm-hmm. he is he's basically saying Ukraine is Russia. It was Russia. It should be Russia. I'm taking back what is Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Even his one of his last speeches that I listened to in Russian, he basically was saying, well, why wouldn't we do this? Like, we're bringing back what is rightfully ours. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the perspective is so like so foreign to how we think about it, especially with sovereign nations, like he doesn't have that perspective at all. Like that's not what's going through his mind. And I think that's also the reason he can justify this because when you see that this is right, this version, and when you see this narrative and what you're used to, to a degree, it sounds like being brainwashed, but what you're used to and you're trying to bring back technically what is right. How could you call that wrong? You would do everything possible, everything in your power to restore what is right. And his version of right is the fact that the Soviet Union should rule and reign. Plus, uh, I believe Putin is 69 years old. So to a degree, he's actually building his legacy. Mm-hmm. So he's also trying to reform and reset everything to what he experienced. I mean, the other thing is we don't like you got to put in consideration that when Yeltsin was president, the first Russian president, Putin was a prime minister. Mm. So, and Yeltsin was not really a president. He didn't make any. I mean, I mean, who am I to say that? But he he was a lousy leader. You know, gotcha. Yeah. So Putin had majority of the control ever since the fall, and that was his his basically motivation is to bring that back. Yeah, I, and I would say for so many of us, we don't know those history, you know, historical politic, political things of Russia. So we've heard of we've heard of Putin for a while, but we don't right we don't realize all of that. And I mean, it just seems crazy, you know, because. Again, like you said, other than it seems maybe China, everyone seems to be saying 
this is terrible. Russia is invading the, these innocent people, this small country, and and you know, like people are dying. There's a war. This is not good. This is horrible. And everyone I can I've seen is siding with Russia. I mean, sorry, siding everyone I've seen Ukraine. is siding with Ukraine. I just bought a T-shirt the other day from a band um, that. 100% of all the profits from this t-shirt goes to support Ukraine and all this stuff mm-hmm. is going on. But then that idea that, you know, like to try to better understand the best we can, why Putin is doing what he's doing. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean we agree, but it helps us yeah. under, it helps understand. And also I really like the point you made, even it of you know there are russians that don't agree that uh, even yeah. though when you're discussing it, it the language is russia is invading ukraine yeah it's really this leader is sending his yeah. army and Putin, invading ukraine. yeah invading ukraine. they're a russian yeah. like so that idea of like not letting the russian hate be a thing like you mentioned your pastor and your boss really stepping up yeah. to the plate on that uh, so i do yeah. think that's very important to not to not like just say oh this is russia and then you basically lump yeah all russians in i think within that the important part is if you do have russian friends is to talk to them there's a reason why russians live in the united states like imagine this like my family sold their home sold their car, sold everything they could, and only packed what they could bring on a plane. That's it. And moved to a whole new country, not speaking the language, not understanding the culture, not knowing anything. Like, there has to be a very major reason for you to do that, to live, right. leave the country you were born. Like, would any American sell everything they got and just straight up, you know, move to Iran? Like, you know what I mean? Or straight up just, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there are, but for the most part, like who would, right? There has to be, a, and if someone decides to do that, there has to be a strong reason as to why you would do that. Right. And for my parents, and especially for me, like my, my dad always said that he wanted to make sure that his kids were raised in a country that allowed for freedom of choice especially as Christians for my parents, it was very important that we would be allowed to worship God freely. And my dad did not experience that growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, It might've not been as bad as, you know, maybe for his parents, it was, it was getting a little easier for my dad than it was for his parents and my grandparents, but it was still like that tension of like, I want my children want my kids and grandkids to have the opportunity to do what they choose to do Um, whether that was religion education job like that's their choice and that's why i i can't like i personally can't support the soviet union because i don't support dictatorship like i support free thinking i want folks to have the opportunity to basically choose how and what they want to do in life um, so therefore, when I see a, you know, a mega dictator invade a sovereign nation, like, I just don't know how, or what would convince me to be like, oh, that's justifiable. 
Like it, it doesn't make sense. It, it's to me, this whole situation is almost like so comical. It's like, what are we like? Is this fiction? Like this makes no right. absolute no sense. Right. And, and then, you know, there's obviously the fear that people have of, well, Russia has a lot of, of nuclear weapons. Yeah, and for sure. If you, if you push back too hard, what will that be? You know, like I heard someone, I listened to a podcast episode the other day with a guy that used to work in the military and it was all like data analytics and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was explaining how maybe that we should not be surprised if like there's major like blackouts of the internet or probably what happened a few weeks ago where i think spotify and they're like discord and some other things crashed Mm. uh i can't i don't remember if he flat out said you know we know that was russia or if he just said that was very likely russia but like all of this stuff he was saying is probably going to happen and he was just you know, he was talking about all those things and he was saying how uh, Russia now had, it was either Russia or China. I think he said it was Russia. Sorry if I'm wrong, but they now have missiles that are like uh, supersonic or hypersonic or whatever. He oh, does. yeah. And they can hit America within like 90 minutes or something crazy. Yeah. yeah you know, so- I think I listened to that podcast. That was BC. Yes, it was the recent yeah, Bad Christian yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's the one I listened to. Yeah, yeah. saying that that rocket could um, go around the globe and mm-hmm. basically hit within five miles of its target. Yeah, so after there's going around the globe. Yeah, that's there's insane. That, there's that fear as well of what will happen. What could this lead to? Uh, so, so I know, like, I honestly haven't put too much into that that episode definitely had me like this is scary yeah Uh, because it's like you said putin is 69 years old and i've heard they mentioned that in the podcast but i've heard other people mention if he feels like he is back is against the wall and it's either i lose or i just uh say forget it and i mean what without knowing this man what is to stop him for saying hey nuclear war it may end it all but i'm not gonna at what cost though right i don't, I don't know and i, I mean i i want to pass that mm-hmm. as like ah, oh, that will never happen right but that almost seems just so wild yes like you know what i mean like that for sure i don't i, I mean, can't even rationalize that that seems so outlandish to be able to like yeah okay you're gonna throw a nuke uh someone else can throw a nuke like the united states can do that too like you know what i mean like uh i don't know it's i I don't even know what to do with like you know i don't know how to process that information like what could you do like is right playing it safe like the best thing to do is being like very defensive and like making sure that we're sending troops and all of that. Will that make, I don't know. Like I honestly don't have enough information to understand all of the, you know, things that are happening in the background that Putin is dealing with. Also, none of us are in Putin's mind. Like, 
uh, to me, like before the whole situation kicked off, I was talking to a buddy and we were kind of talking about this and he's like, you know, what do you think could be Putin's motivation? And I'm like, I don't think the guy is that dumb. Like, I don't think he's just going into the, like going into Ukraine and trying to invade just because he wants to possess land. That, right. that is part of it for sure. But to me, I mean, this might be out there like a theory, but to me, it almost feels like a distraction from actually causing so much more damage when it comes to um, just hacking the systems, the internet, and Mm -hmm. more of a kind of media control. He's trying to control the narrative, I think, to a degree. Right. And he's also trying to move the spotlight away. Like all Mm -hmm. all of those things that – you were talking about one, like the hacked ele- elections that it, we saw that happen, that that's possible. Right. You know what I mean? So all of the other things that I think that Putin would want to try to plan to even, even if his motivation was to kind of take over the United States, let's say, I don't think, and uh, just a theory, I just don't think that his motivation would be like to do a nuclear attack. It would be more like a cyber war where, mm-hmm. yeah, he can do that. And, and I think that's actually modern, like that's modern warfare like that. I because agree. we're so, all of our banking systems, finances, like a lot of the things that we survive day to day, I think a cyber attack would hurt the whole country at once rather than right. throwing a, you know, a missile. Yeah, it would destroy a lot of the country and it would be very bad. But a cyber attack would be unreal i don't know if we can even fathom what a cyber attack would look like right yeah i mean and that's all it's it's very uh it's heavy it's very sobering but that's just the reality you know another thing i had heard this was early on was that if he takes over ukraine and gets control of ukraine that gives him an open doorway into just obviously eastern but really all of europe yeah i i agree with that i i would i would say so like if that happens if he successfully um takes over ukraine that's gonna be that's it that's he's just gonna keep going i agree that and again that's uh, very tied to what he wants his legacy to be known as you know Mm -hmm. bringing back the soviet union power ego pride Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, the one thing I've heard some people mention uh, from like the faith realm is, and I don't know if this is accurate because it's people here in America. Yeah, know, I'm not saying that they're just throwing random stuff out, but who knows how great sources are. But it's that the Russian church is backing, has publicly backed Putin that Putin considers himself a Christian. He is a member of the Russian church and the Russian church is saying that this is sanctioned by God, what he is doing. Is there any, like, what's how, like, what yeah, is. I, I know a little bit about that. I want to say mm-hmm. I know a lot. I think the background is also the fact that Russia is, has been a very religious country. Um, Russian history, going back to the Tsars, going back to um, even the Soviet Union, there was always a state religion. Right. 
Um, and uh, major Soviet leaders have commented and said that uh, that religion is part and necessary of like complete dominance and control. It's it's a tool. Which makes sense. It's a tool of control. It right. does. Yeah. So the church. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. That even saying that the church is necessary for Putin, like, mm-hmm. it's a whole different interpretation of what that means. Um, like for us, like that's not. You know, it doesn't make sense because the way we see the church and what we interpret as the church is much different than what, like the very religious, like powerful oligarchs of Russia are interpreting as the right, church. Yeah. We don't have a government religion or state religion here yeah, in America. Totally. So. so I even heard something like, oh man, maybe this was fringe. I don't, I don't remember where I heard this, but the fact that uh, when Putin took over Crimea, it was for spiritual and religious le- re- reasons because right. it was considered a holy place. Um, I, I don't like – to me, yeah, I, I totally see that. There's kind of like a weird kind of fringe spirituality kind of mysticism interwoven. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of reminds me – and this may be mocking, but it kind of reminds me of that idea of like – Oh, the Beatles sold their soul to the devil. That's why they right. got super famous. And that's kind of how I see it. It's like, yeah, I don't I don't know. Who knows what Putin believes and what he doesn't believe. Right. But maybe he does have this idea of, man, I need some kind of spiritual power, some kind of mystical yeah. like magic to be able to take over, you know, the rest mm-hmm. of the world or whatever. I just I know I've heard people that are like kind of either like de-churched or outside of Christianity altogether. And they've made the comments of all these Christians saying how they support Ukraine and wanting to pray, blah, blah, blah. It's like, like, remember Putin calls himself a Christian too. his and the Christian church in Russia is say, are backing him and saying, this is a Christian movement and it's okay. So y'all are like, in yeah. some ways y'all are in the same boat. And I think a lot of it is just not understanding, like you said, that whole like state church. Yeah. It makes me think of what my opinion is of the Crusades from back in the day. That's where exactly was, what I was thinking. It was yeah. we, you know, from the understanding I had been given, the people were told, and the church and the like nobility were saying. We are taking back the Holy Land. We are taking back from the Muslim from the Muslims, you know, God's place. This is holy. And seem the re- and some people may have even believed that. But yeah. the reality is we want to get this land and we want to get these treasures and we want to get this power. And that's yeah. what it looks like to me. Because again, it's that like what little understanding I have of a state church or the government backing. It's Putin wants to take over Ukraine. He wants to rebuild the USSR. It seems like that sounds pretty accurate thinking. And because of it being a state church and all, of course, the church is going to go along with that. Yeah, I I would would agree with that. Yeah. Like we hear when we think Christian and the church, it's a very different idea than over than in what when russia 
the church is saying we back what our leader is doing than what yeah absolutely it's completely different like a state-run church is more or less about um the institution the power the formality um the culture like there's those elements that are super important Um, and to that degree yeah you know putin would consider himself as part of the church therefore right i mean to a degree would be considered a christian but that doesn't necessarily align with the values and the teachings of jesus does it um, so if, if we take back the word Christian and define that as little Christ, I mean, to what degree do we see Putin acting like one? <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. But when it comes to the whole institution, the religion, um, the formalities of it, well, yeah, maybe he does go into a, a church, you know, he goes through the service kind of praise a little kind of you know asks god for favor or whatever you know but that doesn't necessarily mean that he fully aligns with the teachings of jesus so yeah it's hard because again christianity or the way of jesus is still the biggest and the greatest religion in the world statistically um people who align so that means there's going to be a lot of folks who don't agree on certain elements and certain doctrines of, you know, Christianity or even the early church now, they wouldn't agree with those things, but they would still call themselves a Christian right. because of, you know, there's just a lot of people in the world. It's like, is every, you know, uh, is every American a Trump supporter or, you know, is every American, you know, a Democrat? No, right. But we're all Americans, you know, and same thing, like, does every Russian agree with what Putin is doing? Well, of course not. And, you know, right. does every Christian then um, affiliate with the Christianity of Putin? Well, no, obviously mm-hmm. not. You can say that about everything. And right. because of the vast, like, numbers and how big um, Christianity is in the world, you can't lump. I mean, it's just not fair. Right. Super judgmental. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not fair. But I, I also do think it's a key point that – we here have no clue what that means or what that type of culture is. It's much more, you know, this is who you are than this is the faith you believe in. It sounds like yeah, to me. Totally. Um, so I do think that was, I just, I found that it interesting seeing people kind of use that to, in there, like kind of demonizing the faith and all just being like, well, you know, Y'all are speaking out against Russia, but he's one of you. He says he's a Christian and yeah. the church says it's okay over there. So it's it's a very different scenario than what yeah. we under what we know. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their faults, right? It's like everybody is quote unquote gonna commit a sin to a degree. Mm-hmm. Like no one's perfect. And I, I don't I don't think that you can basically lump all Christians into a category where you automatically say, well, if you do something wrong, morally wrong, that doesn't align with my views, then all of a sudden you're not a Christian. Uh, right. I think the response to that is like, man, who's going to cast the first stone? Like the right. judgment has got to stop you right. know, on both sides. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's very strange. The whole, you know, situation just everything that we've just went through in the United States and what we're going through in the United States, like all of the tension and COVID and 
it's just such a strange time to live in. Like, I, I guess every day and age has kind of weirdness about it in this, like, mm-hmm. you know, tough spots in every single generation. But I, this is just so, like, I, I don't even, sometimes I don't even know how to process that. We go from, you know, COVID to seeing a man murdered on the street by police officers to so much discrimination against the LGBTQI plus community to, just a lot of issues in the world. And then now we're dealing with a freaking war, right? It's, it's intense. It seems like COVID is getting much better. And I mean, around here, yeah, uh, it's opened up a whole lot, you know? And so it seems like that's getting better. We're coming out of this pandemic and now in the back of our minds we have to worry is world war three about to happen and you know it's like you know i mean within this conversation you know the stance is still you know you already said it at the beginning and i don't think i've actually said it but hopefully it's been made clear but it's like uh i stand with ukraine that i think putin is completely wrong and that this is a country that he's just trying to take over, whether it's because he wants to take them back or whatnot. Yeah. You're invading innocent people and that's never okay. And so over yeah. here, we get our media, we get our news that hopefully is very accurate, but who knows? I mean, who knows? Yeah. I would say follow journalists rather than yeah. follow, you know, broadcasting networks. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's hard. That makes it also super challenging is, you know, well, maybe someone's listening to our podcast and say, well, they said, well, this Russian said, and right. they quote us, but I'm like, we're just, you know, two dudes talking about our journey of life. And this is part of our journey right now. Right. We're kind of like processing on a public platform. Right. Um, but because there's so much access to information, it's, yeah, it, it's super hard to find trusted sources. So mm-hmm. it just, you know, it's, it is difficult. And you can hear so many different opinions, so many different ways, you know. But again, for me, you and I have this opportunity to have a conversation from your unique perspective, or more of me listen and ask questions of yeah. your unique pers- uh, perspective of you are a Christian, you are. I mean, I've heard you refer to yourself as you and your families are refugees from Russia. Yeah. You, you like you, I did not know that what you said, or I didn't remember you ever telling me before that your mom is actually Ukrainian. You know, so that whole idea of she's Ukrainian, but if you talk to her, she just considers herself Russian. Yeah, sounds exactly. like you know, yeah. and all of that. So, like your perspective, I think is very key. And as we're starting to wrap up, I just think like. You know, you are the only Russian friend I have. But as this is going on and as we see things develop, you know, you're already living it out day to day. And you mentioned like your church and your boss. But how can anyone listening or how can or how would you recommend we try to be better humans in this aspect? You know, maybe. Yeah. Maybe we have, like I have, you as a Russian friend. Maybe someone has a Russian friend. Or maybe it's just that idea of, you know, I'm a nobody, but I want to some way support 
you know, Ukraine in this aspect, like, you know, what, if anything, what would you say? I'd say one thing is don't, and we already said this in the beginning, but don't automatically villainize every Russian as a supporter of Putin. Like that's not, it's not true. Uh, But then again, the way you find that out is by sitting down with someone that is Russian and having a conversation with them. That, that's a big part because not only will you learn something from what they have to offer and what they will share with you, but you will actually see a Russian that is a human and that has you know flesh and blood and you'll be able to make a physical connection rather than a screen name, rather than um, a photo. Like for us, it's right now is very easy to villainize and say we don't support Putin. Um, right. because we have no connection, we just see his actions and we're like, we don't support those actions. Therefore we don't support you, but it would be a much different conversation if we would have sat down with a, you know, Putin supporter, or we would have mm-hmm. sat down with someone who does support the war and just have a dialogue and let them spew whatever information that they feel they're, you know, allowed to share. But making a safe space for that kind of dialogue is not only educational, it I think brings and like allows for empathy to happen. Mm-hmm. And that is necessary. In my opinion, in every situation, we have to lead with empathy. Uh, that actually brings about resolution because then we won't lead out of this ego and we won't lead out of a pride and we won't make decisions and judgment calls because we think we're right. We can actually look at the situation, hear the stories and come to a conclusion from a different perspective. And I think that's important. Like if you want to take a higher, higher road, like go ahead and sit down with someone that you may know that's Russian. Um, If you don't, that's, uh, that's challenging because I don't know what to say. Like, you know what I mean? Like who you're listening to this podcast. That's, that's a thing. Right. Um, but it, it's really hard to, in general, um, trust what just the media in general. It's, it's just hard. I get it. Right. Um, but I would say then study some history. Mm-hmm. Um, know what's already happened. Um, understand like Russia's past. Understand Ukrainians' past. Like uh, understand just what goes on in Europe in general. Why does NATO exist? Like what's the purpose of NATO? Like those are things that you can get educated on and just read different, um, read different point of views, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And again, like you are my only Russian friend. Well, your, your brother, Mark, he's a friend. Yeah. I don't really know him. We don't interact well. Yeah. So fair. I'm not, you're my only close friend that's Russian. So there's probably a lot, there could be a lot of people like me yeah. that they probably would say, oh yeah, you know, I don't blame every. I don't feel like this is all of Russia. I don't villainize everyone that is Russian, but they don't also, they also don't have the opportunity to actually sit down and talk with someone and yeah. discuss this. So like, uh, as we both said, you know, we do side with Ukraine in this, what are ways, yeah. uh, if you know of any, that just for us to be better humans on the side of, you know, supporting Ukraine. Yeah. In a practical sense, if we're talking about like giving money, mm-hmm. um, I actually like, I personally don't know. Cause I yeah. don't, 
I don't know how money is being um, distributed. Right. But, That's the hard part with anything yeah, like that. It's it's hard to say. I mean, what I do think is cool, what I heard is what Airbnb is doing. Um, they're leaving the homes that were up for uh, rental on Airbnb in Ukraine. And if you, you can go and get a Airbnb in Ukraine right now, obviously you won't be able to show up. But when you book that, 100% of the proceeds go, goes to that person who owns the Airbnb. So Airbnb is not taking any fees, any charges. So you get like, you know, uh, I don't know, a home for three days and you pay like 400, 500 bucks. Let's say all of that money goes straight to that person. And I think that's very, very neat for a company like Airbnb to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, who knows? How right. you know the money is distributed, but that seems pretty direct, especially if you don't have a friend you can Venmo, you know, cash right. that's suffering right. in Ukraine. Seems more direct to me than mm -hmm. going through an other means. So right on the flip side of that, who wants who that does that's not Ukrainian wants to plan a trip and book an Airbnb in Ukraine right now? <laughs> right, probably no one. <laughs> right, that's the yeah. hard part, yeah. but. I can, I, that, that is cool that they're basically saying, Hey, you can, all this money goes to these yeah. people to help support them. So, you know, yeah. it's, but yeah, people are just booking, booking, uh, homes and rooms and not showing up. Right. They're just, that's, they're just, they're just booking, booking it. it. They're yeah. not actually going. They're just, no, saying, no one's going. Yeah. They're just saying, this is a way I can give someone $500. Yeah. You know? And using right. um, Airbnb as a means of distributing funds. Right. That's to basically all owners. Yeah. That's what you're like, doing. Um, th th those homes may not exist. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, yeah, if your home in Kiev was bombed, they still li leave the listing on there so that you can support right. that person. That's, so, yeah, that is crazy. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense than what my first initial yeah. thought of just like, wait, who's going to book an Airbnb? Yeah, right now? no, no, no. Yeah, Don't get so. an Airbnb to go on you right. to but, go on vacation to Ukraine. Yeah, but it's a way if you want to monetarily support that it looks like it is legit. Where you say, well, this would normally cost five hundred bucks, so let me send that Ukrainian family five hundred bucks. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, because yeah. right now, like, well. Unless you know of people on the ground that right. are suffering, like how are you gonna Venmo that person? Right. Like, yeah. Are you gonna look up just a GoFundMe? Um, so like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's hard. There are organizations, of course. Um, right. A lot of churches, a lot of Russian churches are partnering with other churches and sending money. Um, so that is that is one way. I mean, I've. The crazy thing, I've also been on the other side, like someone sent me money and was just like, yo, we want to make sure that you have time to really just not care about anything. Like I took a day off of work mm -hmm. and they were like, hey, here's some money for you to relax, not have to worry about um, finances, but also to right. be able to process the information without cooking dinner. We're going to pay for your you know, delivery dinner tonight. Mm -hmm. So I that was like, I was blown away by that. I don't right. don't feel like I needed that or nor deserve it. And it's like the grace there was mm -hmm. unreal. Yeah. But I mean, there is that aspect. And I'm glad people will realize it. You know, like I can say it, mm -hmm. but it's and acknowledge it. But it's that you and your family 
are experiencing this in a way that I could never fathom. Yeah. So even if it is just conversation, even if it is, you know, talking, it, it I mean, you, like you said, you have family over there. So this is yeah. a, we, we are on the outside looking at this somewhat concerned of what could this turn into world war three nuclear yada yada you are culturally and by family by blood connected to this you know yeah that's a lot it's Um, it's a yeah it is it's a strange feeling Uh, to a degree it's almost like to a degree i'm kind of used to it because all of media all of like hollywood you know portrays mm-hmm. like the russian to be the villain like every movie you know what i mean so to a degree it's like almost like oh wait i used to see this in movies and now this is happening in real life, real life. yeah right um so to a degree i feel desensitized mm-hmm. um but in that same you know way i feel like super close to it and it's right yeah 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 so i mean we could keep going on but to wrap up uh, just, I guess my last thing would be is like, so as of right now, like, what are your thoughts and feelings personally? Like, if there's anything left unsaid, like, what do you think is most likely going to happen? Or, you know, like, how are, how are you now, I guess, is more the thing with yeah. all this, which is a hard thing to sum up with a little yeah, bit. For sure. Um, I, I think personally, I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's still a struggle to talk to my family about it. That's right. challenging um, because I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the stances that my family has on the situation. But mm-hmm. I um, feel like there's a part of me that listens and I'm like, oh my, uh, there's this, and this may be completely uh, just unjustified, but like somebody's going to listen. And it, I have this fear of like, man, so Sergi's family are okay or like what or think it's okay what putin is putin is doing and you know uh like there's a part of me that's like oh, yeah they're gonna, they're gonna consider mean, it's you weird like a bad yeah. person it, it is weird i yeah if that's what people are gonna think i get it and it's weird to even for me to deal with that that i have to talk to family that Yes, they would say, oh, it's, you know, war is not a good, like, uh, we don't support, like, innocent people being killed, but not, like, deny and be able to admit the fact that what Putin is doing is wrong. It's weird. weird. It's a weird tension. It's strange. Like, mm-hmm. so, hey, if you think or listen to this and it makes you uncomfortable, hey, we're in the same boat. I'm super uncomfortable. And <laughs> you know the listener I'm? is nowhere near as uncomfortable as you are because... Yeah. You actually have to interact with your mother and father and family. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, I hope that every single mm-hmm. Slavic person has a, you know, an American ally. If they live in the United States. They have someone that they can feel safe with, be open about, like, what's going on and not feel judged. I mean, I still have to fight those thoughts, like, uh, when someone hears my name, like, cause I work in hospitality and service and they're like, Oh, what's your name? And I say, Oh, Sergi. 
They're like, oh, that's like Sergey. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, similar, same name. I just pronounce it differently. And in my mind, it always runs. Do they automatically assume that, oh, he's Russian? Does he agree with Putin? Like, right. I always, it's always in the back of my mind. And I hate that, but. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yep. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy time. Uh, you know, like, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. I have no, uh, all I can think yeah. of is I, I have no clue what it's like for you, but I'm thankful. Obviously I'm thankful that you're my friend. Um, and more than that, not more than that, but also I'm thankful that we're at, we're doing this podcast at a time where you can give your perspective. Cause again, so many of us, we're out there coming up with our own views. Like it seems like a lot of people are, are siding for, yeah. for Ukraine, but st still to hear someone that has your background and your ties to this, I think is important and refreshing. And even in this little amount of time we have to discuss it, I hope it causes a lot of people to really think differently or think deeper about it. And if, if anyone listening does have friends that are Russian or Ukrainian or, you know, somewhere from that area of the world, like you said, reach out to them, check on them, have, if you're not already having these conversations as much as they want to have them. Uh, you know, I think that's important too. If, yes. if it's like, Hey, you know, like this is very overwhelming. Can we, I'm not at a place I want to talk about it right now, but I'm, a, I love the idea of a distraction or whatever, but you know, whatever they want, whatever's right. best for them, let's try to be that for them. And then on the grander scale, let's just remember Russian does not mean Putin supporter. Yep especially if they don't even live there. You know? Word. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason we live in the United States. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you for facilitating this conversation and for like basically saying, Hey, we should talk about this. I don't know if I would have said that. Like, I think to a degree, I also feel like, uh, do I have anything worthwhile to share about this? Like I might yes. say something that, yeah. But so thank you. Yes, sir. No. Yeah. And, and at the very least, selfishly, it gave me a chance to pick your brain on it, you know? Yeah, so for sure. But no, I definitely, you have something to say. Your position and your, just your life, who you are, makes it very different than someone like myself and a lot of people in America that are talking about it. So, yeah. Um, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Sergey Kutrovsky. Hey. Um, do you have anything else before we wrap up? I think that's a wrap. Yeah, Thanks, y'all. So. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you all for listening to Talk on the Way. I hope you all think about you know these things that we discussed. And who knows? Maybe you have. Maybe you're like me, and you have a friend like Sergey that's close that you know is that is Russian or Ukrainian or or maybe not, but. At the very least, this is all serious stuff going on. Um, I, if you're someone of faith, like both he and I, do, we do believe in prayer. Pray. If, if not, 
I understand that too. But I, we all are hoping for the best outcome. And let's all try to be full of grace to one another as all of this is going on. And like we say here, let's try to all be better humans. So I will catch you next time. See ya. Later. Thank you for joining us. We are glad to have you with us as we navigate through faith, life, and our shared humanity. 